Hi all and thank you for joining me for episode 5 of the Back Your Chat podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for downloading and listening. We're going to be jumping straight in with the news that came overnight that Jamie Foxx um, has officially confirmed the new Mike Tyson biopic is being made and he is in training as we speak. So we're going to jump straight into that as for me, very exciting news. This episode of the Back Your Chat podcast is brought to you by Lily and Bo Prince. If you're looking for something to commemorate what has been a really tough time with lockdown 2020, then head over to Instagram or Facebook and search for Lily and Bo. So Lily and Bo, all one word, L-I-L-Y-A-N-D-B-O-W, and check out the amazing options available. The bestseller is the rainbow print, which you can personalise with your friends and family's names, as well as adding your beloved pets. Half full proceeds of the lockdown 2020 prints go to charity, to the NHS Charities Together. So not only will you be getting a beautiful print, but you'll also be helping a fantastic cause. Again, head over to Instagram or Facebook, search Lily and Bo to check out the options. Incredibly exciting news. Jamie Foxx has eventually got the green light to make his Mike Tyson biopic film. He's been talking about this for four or five years, um, finally got the green light to do it. I'm not sure who's who's directing. I know that originally, um, I think it was Martin Scorsese was, was attached to direct it, but I don't know whether that's still happening. Um, a clip has gone viral again um, of a radio interview he did a few years ago on uh, the Hot 97 radio show in America. Listen to this, listen to the start um, or what he had planned for the start of the movie. Listen to it if it doesn't give you goosebumps, if it doesn't give you chills and what I can't wait to watch the film, then, well, this podcast isn't for you. To be honest, if if, if this doesn't get you excited, then this is is my kind of stuff. So uh, so take a listen. Here's the clip now. Let me give you the opening of the movie. The camera is high, but not as high as the heavens, just above the trees, and it's snaking through New York. Somewhere in New York, and it's cold, and people are on their way to work. It's just one camera, and you hear focus mitts being hit. <laughs> in the distance, and it's just capturing, it's capturing regular day, blue-collar people, you know what I'm saying, in the hood. It's mm. just regular, you know, people on their way somewhere, and then we get up to this boxing gym. We see the doors, and the camera stops, and you hear <laughs> the doors open magically camera snakes in and we see in the distance a hulking figure holding focus mitts and a little kid hitting the mitts and you hear the kid asking the hulking figure my dad said you were amazing my dad said you was one of the best you was boss you was this you was that and you hear the person's voice don't worry about what your dad said just throw the right make sure you keep your left though get your head knocked off and as the camera gets closer you see that it's now Mike Tyson no, but my dad said, I'm going to tell you one time, don't, don't say anything about your dad, I don't care, that was back in the day. Just throw the left, and when you shoot the right, shoot it with some, shoot it with authority. Shoot like you mean it. And he throws it right, and he hits Mike, and Mike acts like he's falling in super slow motion. Ah! And when he hits the ground, ding, 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 he's back at the last fight, he got knocked, knocked out. Knocked out, Douglas. And he, yeah, he's there. And as you see him, the last fight, he's on the ground, and he rests back on the ropes, and he sees everybody talking shit. Everybody saying, get up, Mike. Some people saying, you a bum. Some people saying all the things that people were saying, because we were split at that time. And he rests back on the road, spits his mouthpiece out, and it goes calm. And you just hear, and he's saying, I'm done with all of this. And all of a sudden, just as we relax into that moment, the ref comes up, one, two. Yeah. And we flash back to the young Mike type. Just 
let that sink in. Close your eyes and just imagine that opening scene. Oh, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oscar written all over it. There's no two ways about it. For me, one of the reasons I'm so excited about that, and I've said this for a number of years, Jamie Foxx is pound for pound the most talented human being on the planet. His body of work is is superb. There's no there's no one else like him. If you listen to interviews um, from him, he he will refer to himself as a comedian. That's how he got his start. That's how he first became famous. Was doing the comedy was by doing his sketch shows. Um, if if you've not sort of come across Jamie Foxx much before, go back and watch the Jamie Foxx show. His impressions. Um, his his characters, the way he tells a story, he's developed now obviously ten times over the years, whatever. But it, it, it's it's hilarious. Some really really solid comedy work, um, and that's again how how he sort of got his start in the business. He then moved his way into acting, um, in just the uh, just the one Oscar for him. Um, with with actually the same year he won his Oscar for Ray for Best Actor, um, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Collateral with Tom Cruise. Um, so obviously the guy can act. Um, if you've not seen his film Any Given Sunday, which is an American football film, Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, a superb film. Um, but he actually didn't get the role originally of uh, Steaming Willie Beeman. Apologies for that, but if you've watched the film, you, you can't say his name any other way. Um, but he, he originally was uh, was passed over for the role of, of Willie Beeman, the starting quarter. Sorry, the the I think it was second or third choice quarterback, um, who eventually obviously becomes the main star. Um, he was event- he, again sorry he he was passed over for that role, uh, and then sent the director a video. He he filmed himself um, playing quarterback, basically in the back garden with friends, just to show off his athleticism, to show how good he was at sort of playing American football. Um, so he's got that in the bag, his athleticism. He actually um, was taught tennis by his stepdad um, coming up. So again, a, a hugely athletic guy. You look at him, he's 50 years old and is in better shape than than most sort of 20-year-olds. Incredible shape. And he, he talked about how he's going to have to put on uh, a lot of weight and, and release some sort of behind-the-scenes photos looking huge. Um, he's going to have to get up to about sort of 20, uh, sorry, 230 pounds, which is about 16 and a half stone, to play the role of Mike Tyson. So again, we'll be in incredible shape for this. Um, and then we come across to his singing ability, which uh, Grammy Award winner. Um, so when you when you look at everything that he's got in the bag, again, that, that, that's why, in my opinion, he is the, uh, the pound for pound most talented man on the planet. And he will bring that sort of uniqueness to a guy that is infinitely new, unique um, in Mike Tyson, a guy that he's a polarizing character i suppose obviously he's had his his troubles in the past which no one can you you know sort of stick up for um obviously he's apologized since for them um and has tried to sort of turn his life around etc but can they be forgiven who knows but he is one of those guys that uh that he seems to be doing all right for himself now um again had his issues but i mean with anything when you're in that line of work um, you look at these the, the fighters, whether it be boxing or MMA, you've got to have that kind of craziness about you. If, if you want to truly be the best in the world, you have to have that craziness about you. And, and Mike Tyson obviously had that. That's the only reason he would have got to where he was. Look at John Jones in MMA. 
and again, I, I touched on this in the last episode, and I'm, I'm actually going to talk about this a little bit later on in this episode. Um, but he needs to steer. He should have steered towards that, um, almost like Mike Mike did. He didn't really do a lot of interviews back in the day when he was heavyweight champion. If he did, he was very unapologetic. He, you know, he he had that kind of persona about him. John Jones kind of should have steered into his craziness, if you ask me. Um, would have come across a little bit more appealing than this kind of god-fearing character that he tried to sort of portray whilst you know it's, it's well publicized and, and documented hitting pregnant ladies in cars and doing a runner and fleeing the scene you steer into it he probably would be a lot better paid than he is i know he's obviously on fighter pay and again i'm going to get to that later in the episode um but yeah again back to the film um it's obviously been four or five years in the making it probably won't come out now for another four or five years who knows but just wanted to uh, to bring that to you guys. Um, so if you hadn't heard or seen um, any any sort of uh, any, any of the interviews or heard that the film has been sort of greenlit, then uh, then just wanted to bring that to you, um, so you can get as excited as I am by it. So Dana's been in the news quite a lot this week, and, and for anyone new to uh, to the sport and new to the UFC, Dana White is the president. Um, so he's the guy you'll normally see before and after fights. He's he's the promoter. He's the guy selling selling the fights, selling the fighters, um, and he's normally the guy taking <laughs> taking a lot of shit. To be honest, I'm uh, I'm a bit of a Dana Mark, um, so I like Dana White. Um, I think he does get a bit of a bad press, but that's part of the course really I suppose with the job that he does um, and it was an interesting sort of conversation he was having um, on I don't know what show it was but the uh, the guy questioning him on the fight to pay was essentially as far as I gather he was um, the president of the NFL Players Union so he was the one that sort of pushed for more money for players and and sort of more um sort of protection and and for payments after when they retire to stop all the players going bust etc 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 so he he quite openly said he didn't really have the facts and figures of the uh, of the UFC but had heard a lot of noise about fighters complaining there's fighters at the minute sort of obviously on hold which I've, I've previously discussed with the likes of John Jones Jorge Masvidal um Conor McGregor not so much with in terms of pay he's just obviously announced his retirement um but the other two have been quite open and quite critical of the sort of contracts and the payments that they've they've sort of received for their fighting so I want to give my thoughts um, on the whole sort of fighter pay and, and I suppose I need to start off by saying I do believe that fighters should be paid more if you if you get punched in the face for a living let's be honest can you ever be paid enough money to uh, to lose those brain cells no I don't think there is a you know enough money in the world to be able to pay anyone to do that but in the sport that they do, there is a, a sort of limit to, to what they do make at the minute, and that should perhaps be higher. However, I'm also a great believer, and if you listen to last week's uh, last week's podcast, go back and have a listen to that. Um, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail um, and a little bit more depth with specifics to the uh, to, to sort of the interview from from Dana White um, and how fighters should be helping themselves to get paid more. Um, and a few sort of different examples I'm going to give of, of to take John Jones. Um, he's he's been a person that, that's saying that he currently signed a deal for I think it's five million dollars. He gets paid a fight, which obviously is a hell of a lot of money, a hell of a lot of money. Five million dollars. That's just his sort of advertised pay or whatever 
that he comes out with, with for five million. But he's saying he wants double um, to fight Francis Ngannou. He wants ten million again. F- if you're going to fight Francis Ngannou, is there enough money in the world? No, because <laughs> that guy is scary. But you signed a contract, and and to me, this is where. A lot of the fighters kind of lose the business side of it. Maybe they don't. Maybe it is actually a good negotiating tool for some of them and they do end up getting paid more. But Dana was quite open and quite, you know, sort of out there by saying, well, hold on, John Jones and Jorge Masvidal, to use the two examples, both signed contracts within the last 12 months. Now, they were obviously signed. Whether they begrudgingly signed those contracts, who knows? Um, but you don't sign the contract if, if you're not going to you know, sort of be happy with the outcome of it because there is other shows in town and, and Dana's always been quite open with that by saying that, okay, if you don't like what we pay you, go elsewhere. He, he knows that they have the the leverage and they are the biggest show in town, but fighters can, some fighters can get paid more elsewhere and a lot of them have done that within Bellator, etc. But you're fighting in, in a, lower, a lower league, a lower sort of production value and it's a lower... What's the word I'm, I'm sort of looking for here? There's there's lower prestige, I suppose, in fighting for those of the organisation. So that is a, a negotiation tool for Dana, and he does use that to his advantage. Um, obviously, Dana himself probably isn't doing the negotiation. Let's be honest, but he's he's the front for it. So I'm going to use him in in that respect for 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 this sort of point of view. So these guys sign these contracts. If they aren't getting the most out of it, to me, it's on them and it's on their managers. It should be a case of your contract comes to an end and and you're 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 then free to talk to any other organization or anyone else in the world that you want to do within the fight community, within the fight space. You can go and do that. Nine times out of ten they sign with the UFC because it is the biggest and the best game in town, if you like. It's the biggest and the best fight in, in terms of MMA in town. So then you you can't really then turn around and I'm gonna use John Jones as an as an example. He knew that Francis, 12 months ago, he knew that Francis would have been on the horizon at some stage. He's bored. John Jones is bored. Everyone knows that. He's cleared out the light heavyweight division. There's no other fights for him. That's why he does coke and whatever, because he gets bored. It's not really... I would love to see John Jones fully switched on, fully focused for a fight. It's been years since we've seen that. And when when he is that, he is untouchable. He's still untouchable at fifty percent, and and up all night shagging strippers and and doing coke the night before <laughs> the night before, which worked for Chuck Liddell, but um, but yeah, so so he must have known that the Francis fight at some stage would have been on. I think he's signed a seven uh, seven fight deal. I could be wrong on that, but it's sort of five to seven fights. He signed the deal. He would have known that one of those fights would have been a move up to heavyweight because it's been talked about for a long time. So you then can't complain about the contract you've signed that deal you've signed it so, so you can't then come out and moan and and threaten not to fight again so in, in dana's respect he's gonna go okay don't fight <laughs> fine sit on the sit on the bench and don't get paid because it's not like a an nfl or any other sport or, or football over here it's, you're not getting a monthly a monthly pay you get paid when you fight obviously you've got sponsors and stuff like that in the background which obviously helps them pay helps helps sort of get paid but for that UFC money you, you have to fight to get paid so if you're going to sit on the shelf and remember they're under contract so they can't go and fight or do any other sort of sporting event outside of the UFC without their strict permission obviously the Connor example going to fight Floyd Mayweather he had to get 
sign off basically from the UFC and it, in the end it was a co-promotion obviously but um but he had to get sign off to be able to do that so a lot of these guys complaining well you've signed the contract so you're either going to sit there and never fight again and you know a lot of these it's in their blood it's in their DNA they're going to fight until you know they're, they're flat out on their back and they can't physically do it anymore but if you if you want to get paid and you're still in your prime you've got to fight and and for me i'm sorry but you you sign those deals they they were <laughs> it is the fight business so perhaps they weren't signing good faith who knows obviously there's a lot of stories come out about joe silver um which i'll i'll get to in a bit but perhaps they are being strung on but a lot of these guys have managers now and 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 people specifically trying to get the best deal available to them at the moment, it's tough with the pandemic. And, and again, Dana mentioned that they are basically the only people in America that are actually putting on live sport. And they were at the time when they first had the, the, the first event of the pandemic. And he's not gone to any of the fighters like they are doing in other sports um, and, and saying, look, athletes you have to take a pay cut if you want to be able to compete in your sport for for however long that has to be who knows but a lot of these other sports are doing that Dana didn't do that and that's his argument is by saying well hold on I'm still paying everybody and I'm not getting gate receipts I'm not getting you know millions upon millions of dollars from people coming through the gates to watch the fight merchandising food F&B on on when the people come to watch all that he's missing out on but he's still paying the fighters what they're contracted to get which I mean he doesn't get any sort of praise for that no sort of praise all, all, all Dana deals with all day is shit and I get it he, he's kind of put himself in that position to get that and he is that kind of focal point for people to moan at him which is fine but at some stage, you do have to kind of look at it and, and go, actually, do you know what? Fair play. I mean, some of the fight cards he's putting on are, are, are dreadful, but he's he's doing what he can work with because a lot of these fighters are refusing to fight unless there's a, there's a crowd, which is why it, there has to kind of be these sort of poor fights, if you like, or poor or, or kind of poor fight cards. But he's still putting those fights on. He's obviously got an obligation, and, and this is what... I, I don't know whether the fighters don't realise this or whether they're just playing dumb to it. Who knows? And the, again, it could just be a negotiation tactic. But every single sport is driven by commercial revenue. It, no two ways about it. Commercial revenue drives every single sport in professional sport, sorry, should I say, on the planet. Look at Premier League football at the moment. Obviously, we're still in lockdown here in England, technically. I know there's been a lot of people breaking that, whatever, but we are still in lockdown. Do you think the footballers would still be playing and the Premier League would have started again this week if it wasn't for the money that Sky, BT, etc. are pumping into the game? No, of course they wouldn't. If there wasn't sponsors, kit sponsors that want their money's worth? No, they would not be playing. But they are because of that commercial revenue. And that's what happens in the UFC. They are dictated by commercial revenue. They signed a deal with ESPN, a seven-year deal for however many hundreds of millions of dollars. They have to provide X amount of fights per year. So obviously Dana has to put these fights on, which is why there's, again, ultimately kind of poorer and worse, worse cards, with worse fighters, if you like. But he, he has an obligation to be able to do that or else he, they don't, he doesn't get paid and then the fighters subsequently don't get paid. Now, I know there's been a lot of facts and figures of of kind of the UFC only pay X amount percent of their gross revenue and other organizations perhaps pay a little bit more. And 
but the UFC wouldn't be here if they didn't pay that percentage. And by the way, they're still probably paying more money to fighters than any other organisation in the world. Maybe 1FC is bar from that, but unless the UFC wants to become the next Elite FC, which to... Elite XC, Elite FC, sorry. Elite XC. So, so if anyone has never heard of them, they, they were basically an organisation that kind of listened to the fighters a little bit too much. And, and I'm going back sort of 10 years here. They they paid the fighters a lot of money and they only had a few fighters in the contract, but their poster boy at the time was Kimbo Slice. So Kimbo was a YouTube sensation for backyard brawls, um, got into MMA, Elite XC picked him up and were paying him Absurd amounts of money. He was their poster boy. He was scheduled to fight uh, Ken Shamrock um, in, I think it was, two, I want to say 2008, 2010, somewhere along that. Anyway, um, he was the poster boy and they were paying him a lot of money for this fight. Ken Shamrock ultimately ends up dropping out. And this was, by the way, I think their second or third show that they had had. Ken Shamrock drops out for uh, for injury reasons and a last minute replacement is a chap called Seth Petrozelli. Complete unknown, completely unheard of. No one knew who he was. Comes into the fight, knocks Kimbo out in under a minute. Elite XE is now dead because they were paying people too much money and their poster boy is now unconscious on the canvas and shown to be that they can't then back him anymore. They've got a contract with him for ridiculous amounts of money for a guy that potentially won't even draw now. They ended up going bankrupt because directly because they were paying fighters too much money. And that could happen with the UFC. They start giving in and start paying out too much money. It's a business. It's a business for a reason. And a business can only work if they can generate for themselves. You know, the fighters don't get that. And but they can but what they should be getting is that they can help themselves. Yes. Dana White is the promoter and the UFC is the promotion. So perhaps fighters think that I don't need to promote myself. Well, my job is to fight. Okay, great. If, if all your job is to do is to fight, go out and fight. But don't complain when nobody's watching, when nobody's tuning in or coming to the stands to watch you. If, they aren't, if, if they're not doing that, you're not going to get paid what you want to get paid. You have to help yourself in the business you have to help yourself in the fight game it's not just about going in there and winning conor mcgregor is probably the biggest and best example of this and, and i hate to harp on and always kind of revert back to him but he's the best example that the mma and ufc has for for, for where everyone aims to be and complains that conor gets paid so much money he's won one fight out of his last three fights the last time he he obviously fought in 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 january and beat beat cowboy Cerrone. the last time he won a fight before then was 2016 four years ago four years since he won since he last won a fight but he still gets paid more than anybody else because he sells himself people tune in so th th there's a kind of a, a bit of a saying that i use and I, I don't know where I've got this from, and I'll probably have picked this up from, from it's probably a Floyd Mayweather quote. It sounds like something he would say, but or it might even be an old wrestling quote. But it doesn't matter whether you'll win or lose as long as people are paying to see you. And that sums it up for me. Unless you, so there's two ways again, and I touched on this last week. Unless you want to be, go down as the, as the best ever fighter, the greatest ever fighter, that's fine. But don't complain if you're not getting paid a lot of money, if you're boring and people don't want to see you. If you want to be the highest paid, you don't need to win. You don't need to lose. 
just as long as people pay to watch you. Create a character. Obviously, some people can't do that, and and, and it, a lot of it is if it was a if it was down to a science, everyone would be doing it, and and Dana would have you know, 500 people on his roster that can draw millions of pay-per-views every week. Obviously, there's no science to it. And, and some people have got it and some people haven't. And some people try and create personas which perhaps don't work. But, it, again, it doesn't matter if 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 you can't win all... CM Punk, for example, comes to the UFC. Oh, shocking. It shouldn't have been anywhere near the UFC for fight skill. But people would pay to see him. So he came. He fought. He lost. People still paid to see his second fight. And he got paid a hell of a lot of money. Because people paid to see him. I listened to Chael Sonnen's podcast. And he, he and again, he gave a very good example this week. Of Logan Paul versus KSI. So <laughs> these two guys are YouTube stars. Like they're not, they're not fighters. They are, they're YouTube stars. They got more pay-per-view buys when they fought in boxing than any other boxing fight ever, apart from maybe Floyd Mayweather and, and Conor McGregor. They got more than, I think they fought the first year, I think the, the, the example um, that Chael used was Triple G versus Canelo, which at the time, biggest fight could possibly have been made in boxing at the time, especially in America. You've got the Mexican versus Triple G. I, huge, huge fight. Did no way near the numbers that Logan Paul versus KSI did, two YouTube stars, because it didn't matter about their boxing skills. People would pay to watch them. And this is what the fighters have to get across. I'm, I'm going to go back to Jorge Masvidal. He's, he's another one that I, 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 I kind of think with him, it, it, is a, it is a negotiation tactic to get the fight with Connor, and he's just pushing for a little bit more money. I don't honestly think he he truly believes in this whole fight of pay getting paid more. He wants to get paid, of course, but I just think this is purely a negotiation tactic for him. There's no long term sort of play in it. It's just that kind of one off fight against Connor, which is if you fight Connor, it is red panty night. It is that one off fight, and you should get paid for it. And if you are if you are also drawing eyeballs, because normally it's just Connor is the A and the B side. But if you can be a little bit of that sort of B half side, or if you like, which Jorge is, he is definitely the B side on this. He should be getting paid a little bit more. But if you if you were to say to him back when he was fighting, again, people don't realize, but Jorge Masvidal got his start on Kimbo Slice's backyard brawls, if you like. Again, going back a number of years, that's how he first kind of came to uh, not stardom because he, he he didn't really get stardom from it. I think he had one one fight out there, but I'm going to go back to, to to that sort of period, and I'm gonna I'm guessing here that this is what happened, but I I think I'd I'd be fairly close on 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 what probably happened with this. Kimbo approaches or Jorge approaches Kimbo, whatever, however they that, that works with backyard brawls. Right, Jorge, you're going to get $1,000 um, to bare-knuckle fight in a backyard. This other guy, um, who's also going to get paid $1,000. Great, yeah, Jorge, brilliant. I love to fight, whatever. I'm not really doing this for the money. I'm here to brawl. Fine. They fight, whatever. Kimbo Slice then puts this on YouTube and gets millions upon millions of views. And he goes on to... Um, to make a lot of money. Let's be honest. Kimbo probably made a lot of money from his YouTube fights. 
Do you think Jorge got a penny of that? No, of course he didn't. Because Kimbo was the promoter. So if he's promoting it and it's his platform that's getting Jorge out there at the time, Kimbo keeps that money. They hadn't agreed upon percentage and agreed upon purse that he would have been given for the fight. You can't then come back and complain that he isn't giving you more money. Yes, the UFC was sold for $4 billion. Great. The UFC deserved that because the Fatita brothers and Dana took the chance at the time to buy the UFC, which was failing, which was banned in 49 out of the 50 states or whatever the, uh, or, or whatever the exact figure is. They took the chance. So they deserved to be the ones that get paid. They got the platform for these fighters to be able to fight on it and make more money than they could ever have dreamed of. And now there's talk of a fighter union, which I personally don't agree with. Um, I don't think there could ever be a fighters union, especially with UFC fighters, purely because it's too much of a global sport. And I mean that with the greatest of respect to the fighters, but a lot of them do come from lesser backgrounds, if you like. So from from sort of poor starts, poor beginnings, etc., etc., which is the fight game as a whole. <laughs> you know, there's nothing new there. A lot of fighters, whether it be boxing, MMA, whatever, they don't come from the from the greatest of backgrounds. And again, that's with all due respect to them. So what's a lot of money to them is perhaps not a lot of money to somebody else. So John Jones getting paid $5 million a fight. 99% of the UFC roster would snap their hands off to, to, to have a UFC fight for $5 million. Now, Again, there's the commercial value and all that kind of stuff that goes to it. That John Jones is perhaps the, the greatest of all time. So he deserves to, to potentially get paid a little bit more. But with the, um, with the fighters union, that's one of the main reasons that it could never happen. I mean, look at the uh, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns fight that's coming up. Gilbert Burns is probably going to make more money in this next fight because it's a title fight than he's ever made in his life. The check he's going to get is is truly life-changing money for somebody like that so do you want him not to take that because somebody else is trying to negotiate and trying to get more money and, and, and which tie sorry in which case the ufc are going to go well actually do you know what if, if, if you if you don't want to fight for what we're offering you there's always going to be somebody else that will fight because ufc has it has that impetus it has that start the, the, the potential to create a superstar the UFC is the biggest game and the biggest show in town, like I've said. So if you don't like it, there will be somebody behind you that does like it and they will fight for that. Gilbert Burns, the perfect, he's fighting his teammate. And again, he is going to make more money than he's ever earned in his life. Life changing money for him. Is it enough? Probably not. But he's there's always going to be somebody there, which means you can't have a union. The only... I've, I've, I thought potentially the only way you can sort of get around it is potentially by having a set purse for every single fight night, for every single fight card, for example. So let's say it's $5 million. So all of a sudden, you're turning into boxing because you're going to have a top, top, top heavy card where people only tune in for the main event, which is bullshit. No one wants that. Not in UFC, not in MMA, because that's the almost the beauty of... MMA and the UFC is that you can and people do and will tune in from the first fight because you know you're going to get good fights throughout the whole night you're not going to get 100 to 1 on you know or 1 to 100 fights where it's just there's no point in you, you know the outcome before before you even tune into most boxing fights 
with MMA, you don't know who's going to win. And that's the beauty of it. So unless you're going to start putting on John Jones. So would John Jones join the union if if that was the uh, that was the scenario? So he's going to get paid five million. So no one else on the part on the on the card is going to get paid. Yeah, he doesn't care. Of course, he's going to sign that. So therefore, there can't be a union because every single fighter is going to look after themselves. They're going to look after themselves. An, an example. I don't know whether this does translate, but for me, it does. So, and, and it's probably the best sort of other example I, I can perhaps provide with it is, is the NFL. So there's the NFL, and then next is is the Canadian Football League. Would that would that be the next sort of gridiron? I suppose um, would be the next league in town, if you like. So, would you rather be a kind of second, third string quarterback on an NFL team, getting paid, you know, a fairly reasonable amount of money, but you have the opportunity to potentially become that starter and earn an unbelievable amount of money. Or would you go and sign for a CFL team for a little bit more money to be the starter? You're going to take the NFL team every time because there's pl that platform. There's that impetus that comes with it that you play in the NFL. You play in the CFL. Yeah, great. Who's? I can imagine a lot of people, if you're in England, you wouldn't even know what the CFL was, which is the same as MMA, as UFC. People in England especially know what the UFC is. People haven't heard of Bellator. A lot of people don't know what that is. The next biggest in the world is probably One FC. No one's heard of that. Everyone's heard of the UFC. Everyone on the planet has heard of the UFC. So of course you want to fight for them. So of course the UFC, being a business, will perhaps offer you a little bit less money. So that comes down to the fighter then, that, that you have to kind of take that and go, right, okay, do I want to fight for the biggest and the best and get paid a little bit less? Or do I want to go and fight for a little bit of less known promotion and get paid a little bit more money. And that's that's the options that you have. But you can't complain about it. You make your decision and then you live with it. You can't then come out and start complaining and start moaning and threatening to, to sit out if you don't get your way. Like, yeah, again, I know, I understand there's negotiation techniques involved. But how... To me, that, that just turns me off to the fighter, which goes against everything of co-promotion. Uh, sorry, of self-promotion. I You get a little bit turned off to it. If, if someone's whinging, you're like, oh, I, I, I can't be bothered with that person. But whereas if you've got a fighter that's going out there that's self-promoting, that's trying to get themselves across, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. doesn't matter whether you win or lose, as long as people pay to see you. If people are paying to see you, I guarantee, I guarantee... The UFC will, will renegotiate with you and they will give you more money if you're outside of your contract. But if you're in a contract, why would they? <laughs> they, they, they unfortunately, and as bad as it sounds, they own you. You know, and, and that's why a lot of them will, will only sign short contracts when they're coming up. Sage Northcutt's a perfect example because the UFC do get bitten by it as well. Sage Northcutt is a perfect example. They paid that kid a lot of money, more money than he arguably deserved. But he came in with this kind of big hype. He looked the part, absolutely, you know, carved out of stone. Good looking guy. He'd done a bit of acting, blonde hair, blue eye, all that kind of stuff. Like, looked the part. You know, they were banking on him becoming the next superstar of MMA. Unfortunately, guy wasn't that good a fighter. 
<laughs> you know, and the UFC ended up getting bit on it. They they paid him a lot of money. They put a lot of dollars into promoting him. And unfortunately, he just didn't turn out to be a great fighter. He's done fantastically well for himself. And again, that's where the, the self-promotion comes in, is that he's at, he puts himself out there and he plays himself. And again, unfortunately, some, some of the guys can't do that. Some of the guys are just boring. And, that, and that's just life, I suppose, that some of the fighters are just boring and people don't really want to take an interest in them. One of those examples that you can reinvent yourself is Colby Covington. He was boring. People didn't want to see him. He was a wrestler, and, and that's all people knew him as. Kind of, you know, blends into the background. He recreates himself. He recreates this persona. And all of a sudden, people are tuning in to watch him. He's got the Trumps on his side. He's got the President of the United States who knows his name and invites him to the White House for a photo shoot. You're telling me that the UFC aren't then going to pay that guy who's got the ear of the president. Now, the UFC has the ear of the president as well. Yes, Dana White is, is on record as he's a, a big Trump supporter because Trump supported them back in the day when they were banned, etc., etc. But do you think the, the UFC aren't going to pay somebody who's having photos with Donald Trump in the White House, in the Oval Office? Of course they are. Come on. I, I don't understand how the fighters don't get that and don't see it. If you're not naturally charismatic, if you're not naturally got a good persona that you can just take to the next level, invent one. It, it does have to come across as, as kind of authentic, yes, granted, and, and that can that can be tricky and that can be tough. But just self-promote. Come up with something, guys. Like Shane O'Malley with the purple hair and the pink hair and the multicolored hair. People are tuning in to watch him. People know him because he's done something a little bit different. Try and be different. And then the money will follow. Because again, I'm going to repeat it. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. As long as people pay to see you. And if people are paying to see you, the UFC will keep you around. And they'll pay you. And even to some extent, it's not about the UFC paying you. It's about building your own brand. And getting paid away from the UFC as well. I mean, you look at any of the sort of sports sportsmen, if you like, that, that have managed to do that. I'm going to use perhaps a couple of examples here from different sports. So cricket, Freddie Flintoff, rugby, James Haskell, football, David Beckham even, obviously to go even massively extreme. These three guys built a character and built themselves a platform away from their direct sport. These guys have now got endorsements, are doing other things with their life, doing other sport, etc., etc., etc. Have made a lot more money than counterparts within their industry. I mean, obviously David Beckham's on a different level, but he was somebody that, that was a polarizing figure. When he got sent off against Argentina, there was effigies of him. People were burning pictures of him, burning models and and um, whatever you want to call them of him. Like people hated him. He managed to turn that around. Some people still do hate him. He, he's always going to be that polarising figure. Again, Freddie Flintoff. Again, James Haskell. Polarising figures. But people will tune in to watch them, whatever they do. James Haskell, again, to, to relate it to MMA. A polarising figure. He is himself, and he kind of doesn't really care what you think about him. And he is that character. Now he's going into MMA. I guarantee you, people will be watching that. When they do, the fight will be what it's going to be. But people will tune in to watch because he's, he is that polarising figure. And he's put himself out there. He's tried new things. And that's what some of these fighters, 
potentially need to look at as well. Try different areas. There are a, a lot of them are doing it. A lot of them are getting themselves into other avenues, especially the women. So the women, are, do you know what? Fair play to some of the women. They put themselves out there. Some of them, <laughs> they do put themselves out there in, in some ways with their looks, etc., which is great that they're creating revenues away from their actual fighting ability, which again, Paige Van Zandt, let's, let's use her as an example. She's never going to be world champion. With all due respect to her, she's never going to be world champion. But it doesn't matter whether she wins or lose, people are going to pay to see her. Yes, there is an element of looks to that and, and whatever, but but she plays on that. She accepts that. She plays on that. And she probably gets paid more on Instagram than she does for her fights. And some of the guys, that they need to kind of embrace that social media side of things. That you can get paid more, paid more for advertising on that than you will for your fights. Create that brand. Create that, that again, with those examples, brand Beckham. Create that. Do your best to put yourselves out there. And if you really, if, if you're one of the ones that are complaining about how much you're getting paid, do something about it yourself and create a brand and help yourself. And the money will follow. Trust me, the money will follow on that. That's my thoughts. I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Am I completely missing the mark? Am I being too harsh on, on potentially the fighters? I don't know. Let me know your opinions. Get at me, social media, back your chat pod back your chat, search on Twitter, Instagram, let me know what you think. So the fight card coming up this Saturday, UFC on ESPN, Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. A couple of very, very good fights on this card. A couple I'm really looking forward to and uh, I'm going to give you my sort of breakdown of them and a few opinions that you know, if, if you want to have a little bit of a flutter, there are a couple of uh, underdogs who I quite like um, their, their sort of chances in the fights. So I'm going to start off with, with the main event. Unfortunately, I'm not going to give you an underdog pick here because I think Curtis Blades wins the fight. Um, he is a bit of a, I think he's probably the biggest, uh, biggest favourite on the card, which I think is a little bit harsh, to be honest, to Volkov. Volkov's a very, very skilled fighter, been around forever. Um, very, very experienced guy. Um, but I just think Curtis just has too much for him. If you look back through Curtis's record, he's only lost two fights, both of them being to Francis Ngannou. Which, you know, if, if you can uh, if you can get through Francis, then good luck to you. But, but and, and he's fought some very, very good guys. I mean, you look at JDS in his last fight, TKO win over him, uh, knocking out Ream with elbows, Mark Hunt beating him, Alexi Olenek. He's got a very, very good record. Um, he always seems to, you know, find a way to get it done, whether it be through his wrestling um, or, or using that sort of power that he's got. Obviously, at heavyweight, anyone can sort of knock anyone out. But I just see Curtis taking this. Um, I don't think he knocks Volkov out. Oh, he could. He could. Whether it be a bit of ground and pound. Um I think that could be the win, or, or maybe sneaking a cheeky little submission. But yeah, do you know what? I'm I'm going to go with the finish for Blades. Um, I don't think it'll be an early early stoppage. I think maybe round three, maybe round four. I think he stops Volkov. Um, but my pick for that fight is Curtis Blades. Uh, moving on to the uh, co-main event uh, at featherweight: Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos. This could be fight of the night. It really could. Two. Two highly skilled fighters, obviously both ranked. Um, 
you know what? I'm going to get their rankings up here just a second. Yeah, so you're looking at number eight in Josh Emmett and number 10 in Shane Burgo. So so there's a lot at stake for both fighters here to, to kind of really crack into that top 10 and cement themselves in there. Both sort of like eight and 10 at the minute. So kind of a, a loss for either one pushes them outside the top 10, obviously. I think Josh Emmett takes this. I think he has to utilize his wrestling and I hope he's not going to fall into that sort of category of maybe a Josh Koscheck, Johnny Hendricks. Now, don't get me wrong, they both fought for world titles. So how can you sort of disagree with their uh, with their fight tactics? But two highly skilled wrestlers that kind of fell in love with their power and ultimately never won the titles and, and potentially could have done more than, than they actually did. But this kind of strikes me as what could happen to Josh Emmett. He has some Big knockouts on his record. Thinking back to the Michael Johnson fight, that short little, little little punch which which just dropped Johnson and knocked him out cold. You can fall in love with your power, especially at featherweight. Being that sort of lower weight classes, you can fall in love with your power a little bit too easily down there, and and not look for for the takedowns and and look for for your sort of bread and butter if you like which with Josh Emmett that is his bread and butter it's his background um in wrestling Shane Burgos again no slouch he is a true sort of MMA fighter if you like so he doesn't really have any weaknesses um so so potentially he may not be able to take him down but again a, a tough fight a close close fight and looking at the odds uh, Shane Burgos is a, is a slight a slight favorite but I'm going to side with the underdog here um, I think Josh Emmett does does go back to his wrestling. Um, he's a short, powerful little guy, uh, five foot six. Oh, short, powerful little guy. I hope you don't bump him to him. He might take offence to that, but <laughs> five foot six, and and he is a beast. He he is heavily muscled, um, but I think he can potentially take take Burgess down and uh, and win with ground and pound. That's my uh, prediction for the uh, for the co-main there. Um, another fight which is very interesting at welterweight is Bilal Muhammad versus Lyman Good. Um, Bilal, he's one of those fighters that f for me goes under the radar a little bit. Very, very highly skilled. Um, purple belt in, in jiu-jitsu, fights out of Rufus Sports. He's one of those that, that if you listen to any interviews from the other guys at Rufus Sport, they always kind of big him up, say he is a very, very highly skilled fighter. Um, and perhaps should be, he should get a little bit more shine than he actually does. He's not ranked, but at welterweight, um, and he's got some very looking at his uh, looking at his record here: wins over Curtis Millinder, Tim Means, Jordan Main, Randy Brownson. Big names there. He's got wins over. I think where he kind of not slips up, but they're all decisions, um, and decisions that aren't really the best fights if you like uh, you know it's is one of them which is what, what i was saying earlier that if you're not gonna if you're winning fights great and and he can keep winning fights but you've also got to have that little bit of self-promotion that little bit of excitement if you want people to watch you which is why he's probably never been really in that sort of high status high sort of big big fights just yet um a win over lyman good here could could sort of catapult him into that lyman good a, a really experienced veteran um, again, looking back at his record, first fight in 2005, um, 35 years old. So 
15 years ago, first fired at 20 years old. He's been around for a long time, fought in numerous organisations, um, really well-travelled fighter. Um, interesting. Only ever fought in the US. Oh, no, he's had one fight outside of the US in Brazil where he got choked out by Damian Meyer. But um, probably doesn't travel well then, so it's a good job this fight's in Vegas. But he is actually my pick for the fight, Lyman Good. Um, I think he, he's a scary guy. He, he looks scary. He's a big old boy. And I just think he, he his power may be a little bit too much for Bilal here. Bilal's got incredible boxing, very good boxing, very good on his feet, um, and can take a punch. But I just think that, that Lyman here may have a little bit too strong in the stand-up. And, and I do think, I, I think he wins by KO fairly early on. I'm going to go with it. First round. First round KO, Lyman good. Underdog, so get your money on that to win a few quid. Now, also have to mention um, in this card, which whenever he fights, you, you've got to talk about him, haven't you? <laughs> which is Clay Guida. What a bloke. What an absolute legend of the sport he is. I mean, for anyone new to, to MMA, to the UFC, and you've never seen a Clay Guida fight, go back and any of his fights. The, the, he's not in a boring fight. Go back especially and watch his Diego Sanchez fight from 2009. I mean, looking at that, fight of the night, fight of the year, possibly one of the greatest fights in UFC history for me. How he didn't get knocked out. I mean, I'm I'm thinking back to the um to the <laughs> to the kick where he gets kicked by Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez's shin full on to the face, and he just eats it like it was nothing. The guy is an absolute lunatic, off his head most of the time. Comes to the you know comes to the octagon playing his air guitar and crazy hair going everywhere. Nearly gets knocked out every time on the way to the um. On the way to the cage, he's very got a, a <laughs> patented, patented way, shall we say, of of coming into the cage where his trainer and and his brother slaps him to to bloody within an inch of his life before he gets into the cage to wake him up and get him going. Well known for burping as well in between his fights, lets out loud belches. But really interesting, colourful guy, and I guarantee you a guy that gets paid. He's been around forever in the UFC. I mean, I, I can't even count how many UFC fights he's got here on the page, but he's a guy that will get paid because people tune in to watch him. And the, again, he's the, the main event of the undercard because it's Clay Guida. He has that name. He has that that sort of look about him that, that he is himself, but he's he's promoted himself like that. And by having the the interesting fights that he does have, keeps him around. He goes on a couple of losses every now and then. Yeah, but then he'll, he'll bounce back with a couple of wins. Again, you can never cl count Clay, Clay Guida out from uh, from a fight of the night as well. So so potentially that uh, <laughs> that fight. Again, uh, Bobby Green. Again, uh, another highly skilled veteran. Been around for a, a lot of years, a number of years. Recently been on the, the sort of losing side of it. And, and hasn't won many fights recently. I think I'm looking at his record now. Four, five, six, seven. He's won one out of his last seven fights. But again, another guy that, that is kept around because he's got this look about him. He's got tattoos on his skull. He's got tattoos on the top of his head. He's, he's a mean-looking dude. And that's why people tune in to watch him. And that... Do you know what? I'm changing my mind. That's going to be fight of the night. Two guys that love to throw down. That will be fight of the night. I don't even want to pick a winner. I don't think I can pick a winner in that fight. I do like them both. Oh, I don't know. 
should I pick a winner? I'm going to go with Clay Guida. I'm going to go with Clay for the fight. And and he gets the job done. It'll probably be a decision, but it will be a back and forth, really fight of the night type fight. And again, I'm going to call it for fight of the night. But yeah, I'm going to go with Clay for that. And that, for me, sums up that card. Um, there's another couple of good fights on there. Um, but tune in on Saturday. And uh, and hopefully, if you are going to uh, take, my, take my advice, hopefully the underdogs do win and you make a little bit of money. Feel free to throw me some if you uh, if you do take take the offer and uh, <laughs> win some money on those fights. But look forward and, and hopefully you watch the fights and have a good evening to watch it. That does it for this week's episode of the Back Your Track podcast. Thank you for listening, guys. Um, we'll be back again next week where we're breaking down everything that happened from this week's uh, this week's fight card. Hopefully, uh, like I say. There's a few winners in there for you and uh, and hopefully we, we'll be able to discuss that. And then we'll also be looking forward to Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker, which I'm very, very excited for that fight. It's getting up to be a pretty decent card. Mike Poirier versus Mickey Gall on the undercard, which is fireworks all over that fight. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be looking at that next week and breaking it down and, and anything else in the uh, in the world of MMA. Sorry I didn't get to uh, the Fight Island this week, but again, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that next week and uh, and we'll look forward to some of the fights coming up on Fight Island, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, obviously, in Abu Dhabi, if, if, if people haven't heard the announcement, the UFC is going to Abu Dhabi while we're in lockdown during July. So they're putting on, I think, four fight cards. That is what they've called the Fight Island. It will be on an island. There's going to be a uh, an octagon set up on the beach for training, which is pretty cool. There'll be some some unbelievable footage coming out from that. Um, and then the actual fights themselves, it's on Yasmarina Island. So that's where, if people want to look it up, it's where the Ferrari, um, Ferrari theme park world, whatever you want to call it, that's where that's based. So it's, it's in a pretty impressive location. Um, they're locking down... 10 miles or something like that of, of radius um, from where they're holding the fight. So the fighters are, have, have got the place to themselves so they can relax. They can be sort of COVID free and there's, there's no worry of them, them containing, uh, so, so contracting the virus. Um, so yeah, we'll look forward to that and, and look at a few fights from there. And, and of course, look at the, the actual sort of what they're doing. It's going to be pretty cool fighting in a, in a place like that. And there's a lot of fighters now clamoring to get on the card because they understand it is very historic. It, what's going to happen there will be very historic. Um, so yeah, we'll look at that. But have a good week, guys. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Um, if you want to um, get at me on social media, again, back your chat podcast on uh, on all social media platforms. I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the things that we discussed. I'd love to hear if anyone else is as excited as I am for the Mike Tyson biopic with Jamie Foxx. If anyone else loves Jamie Foxx as much as I do, I'd love to hear from you. What a bloke. Um, and, uh, and of course, if, uh, if, if you have any, any other thoughts on the, on the fighters pay, um, perhaps again, I've gone a little bit too far, who knows, but, but, and perhaps there's something I'm missing. I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I'll hold my hands up. If, if I miss anything, I will hold my hands up and listen to all opinions on that. So yeah, get at me on that. If not, I look forward to speaking to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Ta-da.